Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father Paul Koska, Father James Claver, Brother Thomas Gonzaga, and Brother Peter Xavier as they share about the evangelical vow of poverty. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants of Christ Jesus. And today, for the first time ever, we have four Servants of Christ Jesus on the podcast. Father Paul, Father James, Brother Thomas, and Brother Peter. Now, would one of you guys like to explain to everyone listening what you guys are talking about today on the podcast? Yeah, we're talking about poverty, the vow of poverty that we all take as religious. So we're going to do podcasts on all three of the evangelical councils, and today we're doing the the podcast on poverty. Father James, could you list and briefly describe what the three evangelical councils are? Yes. So there are three vows that all religious take. Uh, a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Okay, so a vow of poverty means that you are giving up possessions for the sake of imitating Jesus who was poor and had nowhere to lay his head, as he says. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The vow of chastity, that is, you're giving up romantic relationships for the sake of following Jesus alone, for the sake of living celibacy for the sake of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And finally, obedience, that is, you are following the will of another to, um, for the sake of emptying yourself and following God's will in your life. Okay, and since we are going to talk about the three evangelical councils at length at some other time, since this is the first podcast, it might be a good idea for us to kind of talk a little bit more just about the evangelical councils specifically. Can any of you explain what the origin of the evangelical councils are? I would say the origin of the evangelical councils is Jesus himself, uh, who was poor in this world. He was chaste and he was obedient to the Father. And the Catechism says actually in paragraph 915 that Christ proposes the evangelical councils in their great variety to every disciple. So even though we as religious take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, every single disciple of Jesus Christ is called in some way to be poor, chaste, and obedient. This isn't exclusive for us as religious. Um, And so because Jesus is the origin, every disciple follows Jesus. Now these vows, I think, began once religious communities started to be formed and men and women decided, I really want to take my... A discipleship seriously, and I'm willing to renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom, as Jesus says in Matthew 19. And he also says in Matthew 19, the rich young man, go sell what you have and come follow me. So I think Jesus and the apostles lived poverty, chastity, and obedience first, and we're just following in their footsteps. So in relation to poverty, which obviously is the topic that we're discussing today, you know, you talked about how every Christian is called to poverty in a certain sense. Why does God want us to be poor? You know, I mean, that's kind of a uniquely Christian thought. Like, there's not a lot of religions which actually say, like, all of you should embrace living out poverty. So why does God want us to embrace poverty? Yeah, I would say that first you have to say in the context of Scripture, it is a surprise 
like by the time we have the New Testament comes along where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's a shock. Why? Because all through the Old Testament, one of the ways that God blesses people is through riches. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're following God. They're seeking to be faithful, and God rewards their generosity through possessions and through material provision, and that happens time and time again. So I would say it's a uniquely Christian thing in that, um, and I think at the heart of it is going back to the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I would just say from experientially in my own life, to be poor means that you have very, very little, which means you are constantly in a state of need and you are dependent upon at least others around you and ultimately the Lord to provide. And so what I would say is Jesus models a new way of living, of saying the point of poverty is to, to speak of this reality of can I be dependent on the Heavenly Father for all of my needs. Um, I'm just taking ethics in seminary right now. So when I was thinking about this, an important distinction to make, especially when we're talking about poverty, is actually kind of like a modern conception of these two words that that we use a lot when we're talking about like morality and ethics and stuff is the word ends and the word means, right? And so poverty, if we're talking about poverty as an end in itself, um, poverty is actually an evil in that case. Uh, man's not to be made poor for the sake of poverty. That makes absolutely no sense. That's saying man is created to suffer, to suffer, right? It's basically just the same equivalent. But as a means to a deeper relationship with Christ, another thing that the catechism is going to say in paragraph one is that God has invited us to share in his own blessed life. And I think a lot of times when we look at the first paragraph of the catechism, it's easy to focus on God's blessed life in the kingdom of heaven, but also the way to get there is to mimic the life of Jesus here on earth, which we've been talking about. And so the means to doing that is if Jesus was poor, then I'm going to be poor because that's going to lead to a blessed life in God. It's not that I have to figure out the Christian way. I look to Jesus and what did he do? And I'm going to do it. It's just, it's plainly that simple. So in terms of religious communities living out poverty, I mean, there's a million different religious communities. And so I assume there's a million different ways that religious communities live out poverty. Can one of you guys explain just the variations of how religious communities live out poverty? So there's definitely a a spectrum of different communities, how they live it out. I would say the most kind of radical and radiant example that I've experienced in, in my own life is the missionaries of charity who are founded by mother Teresa's sisters and by mother Teresa and the MC sisters like live very, 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 very like radical poverty. And for example, you know, like they don't have washing machines. Like they literally wash their clothes by hand or by, you know, not by machine. And so there's this radical intentionality with that. I remember walking around the mother house of the missionaries of charity in, in Calcutta and you know, like they literally have like concrete floors, like there's no carpet and they, in a particular way, because they're living and working alongside and serving the poorest of the poor and the most destitute, they're trying in a particular way to enter in to the fullest extent, pretty much like humanly possible um, into poverty. And so there is a difference, you know, between something like the missionaries of charity and even us or other communities. Um, and so there definitely is a variety in the life of the church. The thing that I would just add is that I think poverty is, is the one vow that looks very different depending on what community you join. And I think that's going to vary on the type of ministry and the type of apostolate that you do. 
the Franciscans I would highlight as they have uh, St. Francis of Assisi certainly loved poverty and that was one of his aims and one of his goals he called he called poverty lady poverty of this, this was so important to him of I want to be poor like Christ was poor and so the Franciscans and the Franciscan spirituality is very much focused on that and and they've had many different forms of ways of living that out but it's it's seen in that that sense of humility and that sense of being empty for the sake of allowing Christ to fill us. So for your guys' community, can you explain how the servants of Christ Jesus practice poverty? So with the with poverty in our community, you know, there's in religious life in general, the fundamental poverty is the poverty of not having any personal possessions and not having a personal bank account, that kind of stuff. And so there's, that's kind of like the common thing that, you know, religious communities in general do is you don't generally have your own bank account. You share a common bank account, a common set of possessions so that nothing is personally yours. And then in the kind of specific context of some of the concrete things that we do as a community is we've, try to be intentional about voluntarily sacrificing things that are not wrong in and of themselves, but things that we can give up uh, for the sake of poverty. So for example, we've intentionally not used air conditioning. Now we live in Denver, the relatively mild climate, but we've chosen uh, to not have air conditioning. So when it's been hot in, in the 90s uh, in Denver. It's been uncomfortable at times, but it's a voluntary decision we've made as a community to live more simply, to live po- more poor. Uh, another kind of concrete example for us is with TV and internet. We don't have a TV in our house in general, and then we also just don't have TV or internet in our houses. And, and so you know, there's no like DSL or internet coming into the house or anything like that. And so there's this intentional abstaining from that. Not that like people that have internet coming into their house or religious communities that have internet coming into their house is wrong, but we've chosen to abstain from that for the sake of poverty. And also honestly, like in a certain way uh, to create more of a sanctuary at our house, that's a place of prayer, a place of pursuing the Lord, of living out community life. A, f- a few other kind of concrete things. Um, so one of the things that we do that, you know, people would probably notice if they went on our website is like we try to strive to budget $1 per servant per meal. So we try to live simply in that way. Uh, we intentionally will buy like, you know, the clearance things at, at King Supers or Safeway or to the different stores that we go to, like things that are expiring but are still good. You know, we intentionally buy up that stuff rather than, you know, buying full price. Um, it, it sort of becomes a game, but it's really like a, it's a lifestyle of like intentionally being poor and not going with what's most expensive. Uh, the other thing is we really strive to not waste the resources that have been given to us. And so really, I didn't realize how much of a mindset it was for me until I was, I was actually at chaplain school this summer and we were having Talenti ice cream. Somebody had bought in some ice cream. 
I didn't buy it because it's too expensive. But uh, we were ex- enjoying, people were enjoying ice cream and like somebody almost threw away like half a pint of ice cream. And I, because he's like, he didn't want it all. And so he literally was like throwing the ice cream in the trash and I like intercepted it. And I was like, this cannot be thrown away. This is like, this is like $2 worth of ice cream or whatever. And but he was just in the mindset of like, I don't want all of this. I'm going to throw it away. And, and we have this mind. We have a mindset of like everything that we have is being given to us by the Lord and everything that we have, even though like a very concrete way often is things either based on monetary donations or people physically like giving us a, a food donation. And so we're not going to, be reckless and wasteful with that which has been entrusted to us and so that frugality and that not wasting you know is again it's very concrete it's it's not just abstract like we're going to try to be frugal it's like we are intentional about not wasting as much as possible the other thing that we do is because we're traveling and because we're around you know we're kind of different than a monastic community that's way more together and they pretty much stay in their community pretty much most of the time. Sometimes we'll go out during the day, but we get an allowance of $30 a month. So in other words, all of our salaries and everything that we earn goes to the community and all that we get for ourselves, so to speak, is just $30 to spend whoever it is that we want to spend, which is a dollar a day, which isn't a lot of money, but it's uh, an opportunity for us to enjoy a little bit with the resources that we have. And the other thing that we really try to do is is to tithe regularly. Um, so I want to say this was five or six years ago that we started. Normally, we've been tithing 10%, which is often quoted as, as a good number. And we decided to up it to 20%. And so we will, um, of all the donations that come in and all the salaries and so forth of everything that we receive, we will donate 10% to the poor and 10% to various uh, missions or to the church. And that really, uh, that, that was a great kind of leap of faith when we first started it, but it was a great gift to um, venture to try to be generous in, in our tithing to realize um, we want to be generous with what the Lord has given to us and we don't want to be stingy and cling to it. Um, let's try to share. So your $30 in allowance, do you guys like intentionally try to make that last like or do you splurge? Are you like, okay, I'm going to go to Chipotle twice and spend all my allowance, or I'm going to like buy a pack of gum because that's only one day of my allowance. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys, how do you guys handle that? Honestly, I would say that every guy has his own strategy of what he does in the sense of, you know, sometimes you're out and you want to spend it. Father Paul's like quick to like, man, I want this ice cream or, I really like this food place. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy lunch and I'm going to enjoy it. Um, other times I think it's guys will um, wait until the end and then enjoy things or you wait for a feast day and you're like, I'm going to go get salted caramel Oreo ice cream. Um, I think it just totally depends. I mean, honestly, I'm sure every guy can say this. Like there are times where you're like, man, I did not spend any of this. I totally forgot about my allowance just because life gets full and busy. So I want to talk about your guys' transition from your pre-religious life to embracing poverty. 
I guess first, like how does that happen practically? You know, you have possessions and then you join the servants. What happens to your possessions? What did you guys do with your possessions? So I remember very specifically, I had, I mean, I was in college at Texas A&M. So I had, you know, all of the college things. I had textbooks and I had clothes and I had um, a bed, a desk. Um, I even had like, so I was living with five guys. We had um, a TV that I had brought from home and a TV stand and a couch and stuff that I used for our apartment. And um, for me, it was kind of like phases really like, so I'm leaving Texas A&M. I'm going back to Houston to spend the summer there. What can I leave in College Station for my friends? So I'm leaving like a TV stand. I'm leaving the TV. I'm leaving the couch. I'm leaving a, maybe a bed. I don't remember what I left. Um, but all the big furniture things, I was like, there's no reason to bring that home with me. So I'm just going to give it to y'all and y'all can have it. Other things with my clothes and stuff. Same thing. I told my friends, one of my best friends from college, he has like my favorite sweatshirt that I stole from my dad when I went into college. It's like this. 1980s Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. It's awesome. And uh, he still wears it today. So I saw see him wearing it. I'm like, that's so cool. But really there's, I mean, that, and that's kind of like the fun practical things, you know, giving away the clothes and stuff. But I just remember, so, so the summer before I joined community, so I joined the community in August. I think all of us would agree one of the best, if not the best book we've read on poverty is a book by um, a priest, Father Thomas Dubay. And he has a book, he has many books. He's a spiritual author. Um, he has a book called Happy Are You Poor? And so I read this book um, going into religious life and Father Dubay's basic philosophy is I'm going to give you the gospel message. I'm not going to interpret it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and you can do what you want with it. And I just love it because it's so blunt. And it's almost like this is a little aggressive. And it's like, this is what Jesus said. I'm not going to pretend this isn't what Jesus said. If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. You know, like, it's just like, it's that simple, you know? Um, and who's called to that? Those, those are different. Those are different questions. But what that verse means is clear um, to what that verse means. And so I'm reading this book where he's talking about how clear um, poverty is conveyed in the gospel. And then the best part I think of the book is, he has three chapters, one for frugality and marriage, one for the vow of poverty, and the other one is um, the clerical state, which is like a priest who's not in religious life, who doesn't take a vow of poverty. So the clerical state. And he practically talks about what does it look like for each vocation to live this vow of poverty. And I was like in this weird in-between phase of like, I'm still a lay person, but I'm about to go, you know, move into religious life and stuff. And it was incredibly honestly, the word that I was thinking of, it was exhilarating of reading the truth of the gospel message as I'm selling and giving away, not as I'm giving away all my possessions. I wasn't selling them as I'm just giving them to people. Yeah. It was just freeing and it was real. Like the gospel really, it was tangible. It became real. Like what the apostles did and leaving everything behind, like Acts 2, holding everything in common, like having no possessions for yourself. There was just this, this reality of feeling detachment that was just beautiful. It was, it was really beautiful. So was it, what was the transition like? Was it shocking? Was it hard to kind of, you know, to go from not even necessarily having possessions? Cause I think for most of it, it's not about having possessions. It's about, you know, things like having a smartphone, which it's not like, Oh, look at my cool smartphone. It's just like, Oh, I can, you know, play games on my phone and I can, do this thing where I can call whoever I want, whenever I want, you know, how, how was that transition? Was it a shock to kind of go from 
living with to then suddenly living without? I think for me, when I first entered religious life, there was a zeal to be as radical as I could. And so I was kind of ready for the transition uh, to not have things of my own. I remember though, the first year really missing my smartphone, really missing Spotify, just being able to play songs in the car as I drove. Like that was the number one thing that I missed, like as far as material possessions. But to be honest with you, I think as I've um, stayed in religious life, there's almost a question I have to be honest with myself in asking, and that is, do I have the same zeal that I had when I first came in for poverty? And am I willing to still make sacrifices when I have the opportunity to choose to be kind of comfortable or to be poor? And so that that is convicting, that's confronting. And if you have ever prayed through some of the spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius talks about how we're not going to be poor unless it's for the greater service, praise, and glory of God. But if God is giving you the grace, then you should choose poverty to be with Christ who was poor. And so as Brother Peter mentioned at the beginning, poverty for the sake of it is silly. (laughs) Um, There aren't that many rewards from it here on earth. However, I would say you're going to see those who are the most poor here on earth so rich in heaven. And so the reward, so to speak, is coming for those who are poor with Christ poor, because now he's in glory, and so are all the saints who are poor here. So how, in a particular way, because you guys talked about how you know, the missionaries of charity, they live poverty a certain way, and you guys live poverty a certain way. How, I guess, in what area have you guys felt, like, like truly felt poverty in, in your life since becoming servants? I mean, I, I definitely would say, you know, one of my, my first loves is, uh, is food. And so, you know, having the limit of, one, I'm not deciding the menu, generally speaking, and then two, you know, with going out, there's limitations just based on, you know, the $30 a month. Now, occasionally I get to go out with people who, you know, are uh, generous yeah. and cover cover <laughs> set expensive, you. but but uh, there's you know if I was just like a normal uh, like a businessman working in the world, I think I'd probably tend to like eat out every single day or you know eat out for lunch all the time and and so there's definitely a sacrifice um in that way. I guess the other kind of concrete sacrifice that's on a almost daily basis is sharing a set of cars between a group of men and it's sometimes complicated like trying to figure out all of the moving pieces you know of like this person needs to get to the airport and brother peter needs to get to seminary and we have all these moving parts happening and so it's you know it it can be inconvenient at times you know to be able to figure out the puzzle of getting everybody where they need to be with the limited resources that are are present and so so yeah, so there's definitely a uh, a felt kind of sacrifice in that way, uh, and then you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, like sitting in the chapel without air conditioning when it's like 80 degrees in the chapel, and you know, knowing that it's a voluntary choice, it's not like we could we could you know 
turn on the air conditioning, but we've chosen not to. Now we didn't install the air conditioning that exists in the house, but we don't turn it on. And so that sacrifice of like sweating during liturgy of the hours, uh, is, is a felt sacrifice. But I, I, I guess said too, with the sacrifices and the fruits of the sacrifice, I mean, it's sometimes ridiculous how much, you know, the Lord provides when we live poverty, you know? So to give you a real, another concrete example, you know, I'm getting ready to go to the Naval Academy for a year. And so I'm, you know, PCSing there and for the rank that I'm at, you know, the allocation of weight that can be transported on my behalf by the government is like 13,000 pounds. And like, I have nowhere close, like to, it's below a thousand pounds. So it's like not even a, you know, a 13th of, uh, the allocated amount of weight, you know, <laughs> that, that is normally granted to somebody that's, you know, at my rank. And so it's just absurdly little that we have. But one of the, one of the things as I was getting ready to, to go up there is the priest that is leaving the academy and retiring from the Navy. He's basically like furnishing all of the stuff, like the whole place where I'll live. Like he's basically giving, uh, giving all the furniture to furnish the place where I'll live at the academy. And it was totally like, I didn't even ask him for it. You know, he just like, when he heard I was coming and he knew I was a religious he basically just said, like, I want you to have to deal with as little, like, material stuff as possible. I'm just going to provide everything for you. And so, yeah, just kind of amazing in that way of, like, before we even asked, before I even asked anybody, you know, everything was already provided. You know, so even though we might not have very much, like, there's the kingdom of God is so much bigger than us as individuals, and the Lord's provision is, is super abundant. So kind of to follow up on what you're saying in terms of the fruits of poverty, uh, for a lot of people who have never like tried to live out poverty in their life, it sounds like one of those religious things that's hard, but most people have no idea like the fruits of the hard thing that you're choosing, you know, or the difficult thing that you're undertaking. So can you explain what the fruits are of living out a vow of poverty in your lives? I know more now um, than I ever did that I do not belong to this world. And one of the verses that has challenged me in community, and it's talked about at least twice in the scriptures, is First Peter um, chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. And then Hebrews chapter 11 will talk again about this um, theme of kind of being strangers um, in this land, not being in your home. And in the midst of feeling, feeling a lack of something that I may want, I have an option that I never had in college to be reminded that I don't belong here, that I'm not made for this world. And I'm not made to be, I mean, it's the classic, you know, you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. Let's do it, you know? But, but like for real, of like when I... This was one of the things I wanted to say earlier. When, when I feel like the hunger of my humanity and I have to actually face the hunger of my humanity, then there's a recognition of how much am I willing to give, the give to the gospel? And like, what do I mean by the hunger of humanity? Like when I'm willing to face that I am desiring something that I can't have, like that hungering 
for like and something simple i'm not just talking about like something incredibly sinful but just like something very simple that's just like like a very delicious meal like anything like you can think of so many things um when i recognize and i can allow myself to feel that hunger then i'm aware of am i willing to hunger for the lord because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they shall be satisfied as a promise that jesus is going to make to us but if i never feel hungry how am i going to know if i'm willing to give um everything uh to the lord so just like with that verse of like the strangers and the exiles and being um sojourners it's an important question for every single christian to ask do i ever feel like i don't belong here do i ever feel like a stranger on this earth and if i don't there's something that i need to take to prayer because i should not feel like i belong in this earth as according to the scriptures i don't this isn't my home right is it therese that talks about that this 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 earth is a ship she talks about it as a ship pointing like home towards um the kingdom of heaven yeah so i i just felt like when i was when i was praying really that's like a question the spirit wants to ask us is do i ever feel like i don't belong here do i ever feel like a stranger and if not poverty might be a means to that and there might be an invitation from the lord to enter into that i think one of the fruits of poverty uh that you may or may not think of right away would just be one of the fruits of the spirit which is joy and if you look at saint francis of assisi uh, who was as poor as Jesus was. Uh, he was full of the joy of the Holy Spirit and the praise of the Holy Spirit. And so when you voluntarily empty yourself of material things, or you're not afraid to embrace your own spiritual poverty and need for help from God, I think that creates a space uh, for greater joy and praise to come out. And it's it's a paradox. It doesn't makes sense. It's it's not the way it's supposed to be, but when you empty yourself, God can now fill you um, with his own self. And so I think joy and praise are, if you want more joy and praise, perhaps get rid of some things in your life and watch how God fills it. Now that's a good segue into the last question that I have for you guys, because most of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast are going to be lay people who quite frankly can't live on $30 a month in their personal lives and they can't give up everything. But how would you encourage them to live out? I mean, you know, we started talking in this podcast about how poverty, chastity, and obedience are for all Christians. How would you encourage a lay person to live out and embrace poverty in their own life? So one kind of really practical thing that we do at least once a semester is we just kind of evaluate what we have both like individually and as a community and just kind of like give things away or, and it can be easy sometimes like the older you get, you just kind of collect, collect things and then you don't actually ever use them, but you just collect them along the way. And so then you end up with all this stuff you might or might not have used. And so I think just regularly kind of purifying your life, doing like a spring cleaning, if you will, uh, can be a good way to be detached from, you know, acquiring too many things, especially if they're not being used. And also just being aware by purifying yourself, you're making yourself capable of helping someone else. So something that you're taking for granted and not using, 
you know, it could be a blessing to somebody else. And so that'd be a, I think a concrete way to, to do, to live out poverty. The other thing I would encourage people to consider is just how can they contribute to the life and mission of the church and the apostolates that are in the church today in a way that's, uh, generous and sacrificial. And so being intentional about like, you know, how am I supporting my parish? How am I supporting the foreign missions? How am I uh, supporting outreach on college campuses? You know, and so there's different ways to tithe, um, but just being intentional about sacrificing more than just what's comfortable. And I think that's the, the challenge is like when you start to feel uncomfortable about how generous you're being, how poor you're being, then that's uh, when you start to feel comfortable, that's usually not a good sign. So you want to feel uncomfortable. I think as well that Father Paul mentioned this word of detachment, and I think it's worth spending some time just to explain a little bit. But I think that's that's the question that we have to continually ask ourselves. I think that's the question that I have to ask, even though I've in a, in effect given up everything for the sake of Jesus. It's a question that I keep having to come back to: Is there anything in the way? Is there anything that I am holding on to that is unnecessary and that means that Jesus doesn't have the first place in my life? And I think for me, it's that that constant, like, there are periods of time where I may say, you know, I'm going to give up alcohol for the next six months, or I'm going to give up dessert, or I'm going to give up using things that I ordinarily use because after a while I just get comfortable. And I think as especially in first world America, we have everything at our fingertips. Anything we possibly want, we can get like that. And it it takes a lot of work and effort to say, if I live in that way, um, am I really allowing Jesus to be everything for me? Um, Or do I need to let go of a lot of things that are just in the way? Um, You know, people mention, I think all the time of, my phone is an obstacle to my relationship with Jesus. It's, it's, it's almost become cliche, but I think there's truth to that. So honestly, if, if, if I was a layperson, okay, what, what do I need to do to limit that? And what limits do I need to place on myself with technology? Um, so that Jesus has the first place, um, even though it might be necessary in different ways to use my phone in a good way. But I think that's the question that we have to keep coming back to is, Jesus, what are you asking of me so that you have the first place? Something I feel like the Lord is just putting on my heart right now is just for young adults. Budgeting not for the sake of being responsible, but budgeting for the sake of being poor with Jesus who is poor. Do you know how much you're spending? Do you know how much you're eating out? Do you know what you're actually paying towards? And is it actually worth it? Is it actually edifying? Is it actually building the kingdom? Um, And I think... No, not I think. I know in college, I did not do that. You know, I mean, one of the prime things for me was I loved Whataburger and I would get patty melts many times a week, unfortunately, you know, I didn't gain too much weight because I'm blessed that way. But I would spend absurd amounts of money on like how much I would eat out. And it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't prudent. And I didn't really have like, I didn't really have like dominion with it. And so I feel like we, we, for me, my mindset with budgeting was if I want to be an adult, if I want to be like a grown up now, like I'm going to budget. Good intention, yeah, but I think uh, an even more sanctified intention is if I, I want to be able to have the opportunity to be poor with Jesus. If I don't know how much I'm spending and what I'm spending it on, I can't be poor with Jesus. 
So just like taking some time and like actually looking at finances, praying through finances too with the Lord. Why not? Why not pray through your bills? You know, and asking the Lord what was necessary here, what wasn't necessary here, um, for the sake of being poor. The one thing I thought that the Heavenly Father wanted uh, people to know hearing this was that um, He's a friend of the poor. And uh, in Psalm 34, it says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And so when we are poor, uh, we have to turn to God. And I think the Father actually loves coming through for us. If James, your son, was always like, oh, don't worry about it, Dad. I'll take care of feeding myself and washing my clothes and etc. on and on, you'd be like, well, I'm not even able to be a father to you. And uh, I mean, if you think about the fact that our God became so small and Mary and Joseph were so poor and God provided for them, why would he not provide for you? And why would you not want to do that? Because they did it too. So he's a friend of those who are poor. Beautiful. Well, thank you, fathers and brothers, for sharing your reflections today on the Evangelical Council of Poverty. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, and you can listen to podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks at scjesus.org. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed.